Today, our guest is Cheryl, Cheryl Hayes. Cheryl is an accomplished human behavioral strategist and researcher with over 25 year experience, bringing a diverse perspective from her background in sales and marketing, legal research and clinical psychological counseling field. Cheryl holds the highest level of recognition and research society of Australia with formal training in behavioral science, double major in psychological legal policy analysis, the postgraduate qualification in management and strategic planning. She's also a member of the IPA, Institute of Analytical Professionals in Australia. Cheryl has successfully managed and consulted and thousands of studies ranging from a small scale ones to the multi-tiered longitudinal project with a sample of nearly 50,000 in one study. Cheryl regularly works with many of Australia's top 100 companies and presented to many board CEOs, executives, and federal and state government. So help me to welcome today in our show, Cheryl Hayes. Cheryl, welcome to my show. Thank you for accepting my request and joining me today. Thank you, Priya, for inviting me. Yeah. A joy. It's a pleasure. We have been talking a lot about, you know, your, your journey, your, you know, uh, your project and your achievements you have been doing so far. It is amazing to see and understand what you actually do. So for our audience, would you like to say something about your journey? We would love to hear about that. Okay. Yes. Well, my journey has an hopefully will continue for a long time. It has, uh, it's an ongoing journey that has started back to my love of understanding people and has gone from psychology into counselling, into legal research, into customer service, but ultimately understanding what makes people tick yeah. is what I loved and that's why I've basically fallen into my field and then loved it from there on yeah. and... Paragon evolved from there. Wow. A name is very unique. So where did you think about this name? Oh, that is a very good question. I, 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 this was a, a branding is something I researched. So I overanalyze things at the best of times. And <laughs> Paragon actually has a number of meanings. It's a pearl found at the bottom of the ocean, which is the largest pearl. It's also a, a diamond of a large carrot. It's also a model of excellence. Right. So I thought, that's beautiful. And it has a masculine element to it, and some of my industry is masculine. So Yeah, yeah, right. And you love researching data. Oh, uh, yes. I'm a giant nerd on the inside, yes. I, I love data. I love statistics. I enter debates on LinkedIn yeah. all the time related to linear regression and discrete analysis. I love data because it explains human yeah. behavior. Uh, yeah. Yes, I love so data. The, yeah, it's it's interesting to see that, you know, how the availability of data actually changed the whole marketing perspective. Oh. Um, and yeah. being aware about, you know, future and the market and knowing your segment well in advance it's just uh, changed the whole aspects of marketing, isn't it? Oh, you're spot on. You're, you're spot on. And I see 
uh, I'm an armchair analyst on many campaigns and I watch and I go hats off to mm. some campaigns because I think you have got a great researcher, a great strategist, a great executor and your copywriting and content is brilliant. You're, yeah. you're, you're spot on. And yeah. I can tell what markets are after. I yeah. can tell. And you could, but then you see the campaigns, they're not hitting the mark and mm. you analyse that. But ultimately, how do you get into the head and the heart and the gut instinct of a person? Yeah. Yeah. And how do you connect with them? on different yeah. levels that's what it's all about yeah and i remember we were talking about in the past um being more um intent based marketing you know mm-hmm. um don't don't pollute the ocean it's like an internet ocean people are actually dumping the information and blogs oh. and one blog is the copy of another blog is just the some wordings mm-hmm. are change you know um, but to be honest the context is the same and it, people are getting bored they want something fresh and new and i think your data research uh, in past when we were discussing i found is very intriguing that you know it it brings that element missing element of having that intention and intent to the right audience what would you like to say about it well i say you need to sit in the mind and the feet of the consumer yeah and whether that is a tradesperson whether that is a double income no kids household whether that's whatever market you need to sit in their shoes talk to them understand them and then see how they see the world yeah. how do they consume media yeah. and how do they see brands services products what makes it the most convenient distribution channel for yeah. them to have the attention the interest yeah. the consider that's that's what you need to do i think before you do a scattergun approach in the market mm. which is exactly what you were talking about which <laughs> is what i see when i wake up and i look at facebook and all of a sudden there's an ad about sneakers or this or that and i'm just getting bombarded because i accidentally looked at sneakers the other day yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah and well see the thing is you've been watched you know Oh, all the time the google ai and many other softwares and social media platforms are actually improving their ai day by day yeah. they are looking for your interest and behavior and psychometrics they everybody is mm. working it's been yeah. very manipulated to be honest not exactly yeah. we would agree but this is how market is working uh, yes uh, uh, look i agree i have opinions on that Yeah. <laughs> um I think it's great for the people that want to advertise and get share a voice and share a market and so forth and if you're a commodity product and you want yeah. to profile prior at this particular time you look at and they can actually see how long you've looked at an ad not just you've looked at it or actually clicked on it yeah. how long so they've got a profile of you living yeah. there <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So uh, I totally understand how it works and it is wonderful as an analyst but also scary when Siri talks to me from yeah. another room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you you feel like somebody's always looking up to you oh, yes. which is kind of a security insecurity both. So, you know, yes. I think it's kind of a sign up with this internet world and we decided mm-hmm. okay, we we want this freedom and this facility but how much we want to compromise for this facility that's the uh, another ethical question we don't want to dive in today but that's another no. co- ethical question we keep asking as a data analyst isn't it oh definitely it definitely it's a, it's a balance how about that a balance yeah. that's how it is. <laughs> so so Cheryl you have a lifetime spent on market research and studying human behavior yeah 
right? Market research is an important tool for business to measure consumer response of an existing or a new product or service. Mm-hmm. Is human behavior predictable to such a degree of precision and clarity? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, in Within an error margin, with well-designed, well-designed research, and I will... I can't emphasize this enough because it's one of the lessons I've learned in research over the last um, quarter of a century. Yeah. If you do if you and if you sample and survey 100 people and you have 100,000 customers and you only use an online or a pop-up survey on your site, what's your non-sampling error bias? How many people could actually have the same same opportunity to be involved. That's an error margin. Yeah. So you have, a, you have an error margin on data. So yeah. when you want to predict behavior, if, it, if it's an extending service and they're engaged customers and you know the brand, it is. You can make precise decisions. And I've done them before. I've been within 5% of sales for a massive tourism client of yeah. what they will achieve doing a pricing elasticity study and yeah. understanding that. So, yes, it can. However, I think people are forgetting the theory behind it and the sampling composition and the coefficients that go behind it. And I'm going to sound nerdy now, but there are so many elements that go behind the survey design. You can't just say, would you like to buy this product? Why not? Who's going to answer that? Do you have, is it a simple, is it a random sample? Is it a convenient sample? There's all these elements, but ultimately to answer your question, yes, you can. Yes, you yeah, can yeah. within a degree of confidence. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, the, like, it, there is a part of human element is always involved, you know, in yes. the precision one. So, it, that brings to my next question. Like, you know, okay. the incredible growth of e commerce in the recent time seems to oh. turn upside many of our, you know, conventional wisdom mm-hmm. or customer relationship. People are buying products online with hardly any direct interaction with the seller. Even now, many, you know, societies, people prefer to visit a shop, you know, mm-hmm. and, and see the product and have a touch and feel experience before produ- placing in order beyond the current pandemic. How do you see the future of e-commerce and online marketing? Oh, that, that's a big prediction you've asked me there. <laughs> Thanks, Priya. But you know, um, what I see is there's always going to be growth in e-commerce. I think for the small purchase, ticket items, a T-shirt, whatever, easy to buy, not a problem, click, buy, convenience. And we're all for instant gratification as society moves on. However, big ticket items, you want to research and there's a purchasing cycle and funnel involved in that. So that's when I think that people will want to get more engaged yeah. and they want to trust the brand and the warranty and so forth because they're spending more money. It's not yeah. a $10 thing that they're buying. Yeah. Post-pandemic, my prediction is I think it will go back to the levels that, that it was before the pan- pandemic because I know e-commerce has gone through the roof because you yeah. can't go out to a shopping centre. Yeah. However, people will want that experiential type of it's go to the mall for the day yeah and they'll want to go there they may window shop but there will be that slice of the market that love the touch and feel and i think that will go up a little i think that will go up because people 
by nature love interacting with humans yeah yeah for sure it's just that i feel like it's a social element you cannot remove to yeah, be honest exactly um, i think there will be a a proper balance will be there in the future um because still you see uh, through the e-commerce what we can do we use our intellectual brain and mm-hmm. our eye right mm-hmm. but we don't we don't use our touch senses in that and mm-hmm. we we just see and say okay it's nice but the feeling which you go get by the touch will not come by the mm-hmm. eyes you know that's right exactly and we all have the different senses and i always think the perfect branding if you could come up with it the eyes the smell the taste the hearing the touch boom you've got yeah. the market yeah <laughs> you you need to think about all that five senses and as well as uh, like you know so called six senses where sometimes yeah. oh yes the gut the fight and flight <laughs> exactly. So the gut part will be always involved like okay I think it will work. <laughs> yes, I think I look great in this. However, is this for making me look skinny because <laughs> it may not. Yeah. So that's that's the I don't think we it is going to go away and I would love to see that because I think we maybe we are we grew up in a era where e-commerce was not much popular. um mm-hmm. but i think it will coexist together i think it's a demand for go existence right now yes you know and, and definitely and, and over the last two decades showing my age in research i have watched and actually studied e-commerce and different businesses going online and there is a need there is a growth and the millennials and different types of segments of the market are more in tune with that and they want instant gratification they want convenience they don't want to wait they they're a different mindset of not wanting to wait so the purchasing cycle has a differing timing yeah them. yeah yeah and i believe that also the you know purchasing cycle will will also be helpful for the people who are sometimes you know that all these billionaires and millennials they have the people who actually do the shopping for them it also be, mm-hmm. makes them convenient to identify rather than carrying all this catalog thing mm. so it's like um solves a lot of problem for the busy people <laughs> it is a marketer's dream to yeah. uh, i might say if it's a marketer's dream if that was my market it, it's a dream to yes. be able because facebook um when the pandemic hit um the smart companies rather than uh, usually during economic downturn people reduce their budgets by between 30 to 60% on average yeah. and they don't realize brand equity doesn't come back up until 3 years later so yeah. the smart companies realize guess what we've got the share of the market we can go facebook ads for half the price or insta or any other platform that they want to use so they just bombard the market and millennials are sitting at home they're usually always sitting at home they're enjoying the pandemic and sorry so any millennials however they will just click click buy so yeah. they are captive audience that you're communicating to that you understand from ai and machine based learning is a marketer's dream yeah <laughs> and also you can actually i uh, i have noticed some of the big brand is started giving you the sizing and all those things and return back guarantee and all that mm. that's going to be actually it, it is actually a market game changer mm. to be honest yeah you know? I, i don't know personally myself i would not buy a a large ticket item on that I I just wouldn't 
I just wouldn't. Um, but I got sent a, just this morning uh, someone, and this made me laugh, and, and I thought they'd actually put my name on a T-shirt. Cheryl, don't underestimate me. That'll be fun. That was a slogan on a T-shirt that was an ad. I thought, hold on, who's this from? <laughs> that, that, that is a slogan and, and they wanted me to buy the T-shirt. It was only yeah. $9.99. That's just an example where I'd go, ah, it's only that much yeah. money, I'll, I'll go buy it. Yeah. How, however, then I know if I buy it, I'm going to get bombarded with like products from yeah. there on. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, There's yeah. A, yeah, but I'm I'm pretty sure that people are trying to change and speed up the process through the e-commerce, and it mm. has a good pro, uh, future for sure. Oh, um, definitely, definitely. But that's for the product industry. Mm. The service industry where we mm. you know we deal with it's like it's still see like consulting businesses. There are a lot of business owners. Consulting businesses are there, and mm. they I I think it's still very required being there you know mm-hmm. discussing you know, the the is still a round table discussion is is we we miss it to be honest like oh, you know? i know and that's why we've spoken a number of times <laughs> and i enjoy our conversations you're a very smart lady yes, and it's, yes and collaborations and joint ventures and i got asked to be a subject matter expert by the answer is yes which is an online training company and I'm one of 30 trainers and I am now doing online training. So I'm teaching people how to design a survey. So these collaborations have been wonderful, which I never would have realized without a conversation. A a little ad telling me to buy a sneaker would not have realized that. So yes, professional services definitely, this is different market. Yeah, I, I feel like when I was in the, I, I feel like it, it's still, it's a balanced requirement. So yes. it's still, I am missing some of my consulting time, which I used to go in the offices and actually discuss the big mm. boardroom, sticking things around. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still enjoy the current movement because mm. sitting in my own office, in home office, I can actually communicate throughout the world, right? I'm mm. talking to Indians, I'm talking to Malaysians, mm-hmm. Singapore, US, like, what has no limit? I know. I'm literally living into the global village right now. It's wonderful. I think it's wonderful. I think I always see things in a positive and I always see it as opportunity. And I think it's great. And if anything, I, for example, when everyone says pivot, I don't like that word, I had to adapt my methodologies in yeah. the pandemic. I couldn't do face to face focus groups anymore, I yeah. had to do them online. But guess what? What's the advantage? I had someone from New South Wales, Victoria, South Australia, all over the place. Otherwise, I have to fly to yeah. those places and live yeah. out my suitcase again, which I didn't enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> so Not only the financial burden is there, but also we are actually contributing to the environment, like taking the flight and all those traffic and all that things. We are contributing well, to the environment headache as well. True, know. true. Yes. So yes. It, it's it's lovely. We are social people. We all need social life. I'm not yes. saying that this should continue. I was talking to one of a big organization. Um, they are CPA practices, and they were discussing that they initially it it was like little hard, but then once it is set up, they, they mm-hmm. found their 28 percent increment in the productivity of their resources. Wow. 
28%. This is, they are cutting off those coffee time, chit chat time mm-hmm. in office. I'm saving my electricity bill and all that mm-hmm. thing. He said, and yeah. the resource productivity. Whereas other hand, the other people were actually talking about, no, I'm thinking it was okay when it was completely locked down. But then when little bit open, the people are actually doing their household things as well at the same time. But my mm-hmm. under out of two this conversation and two different case study what i figured out that it's more about the placing the system mm-hmm. right uh, mm-hmm. maybe that 28% increment that guy has better system to mm-hmm. deal with the online resourcing and all that reporting system you know mm-hmm. time management and all that to their to their resources and that mm-hmm. they have to report properly they have to work properly you know so that system mm-hmm. may be helping him to increment and he might be actually looking after the resources by compensating or giving them some kind of uh, you know carrots to keep Life that enthusiasm level going you know something yeah. different they are doing and i think that something corporate has to revisit and see how they can actually improve that uh, mm. possibility and um, that mm. will solve a lot of problems uh, for infrastructure and traffic and all that you know i totally agree and i've always been a fan of if let the people work how they want to work they know the time frame if you delegate the task you delegate the responsibility if they know the task they know the budget they deliver on time that's their business i don't care that's, if they do it in their room where they do it yeah. just get it done yeah <laughs> as long as that budget and timeline is matched i'm, yeah. I'm okay right same here same here yeah. and i think that's a good thing because people are happier that way they're not yeah. forced into a, a commute of some people i know in sydney have to get on the train for an hour that hour they would i know they'd spend working and yeah. and doing things and they'd be more happier so yeah. why force them into that why not give the flexibility to people yeah. i've always been a fan of that i've been yeah. a fan of that and if not time. that they they are spending time with the family so yes. ultimately a happy person can only deliver the happy environment to you you know yeah Perfect. So I think there should be a balance consideration on this point and whatever hesitance was there earlier you know mm. about working on or at home and all those things i think that is gone that is yes. gone the people got their lesson so <laughs> i i agree and i actually thought it was when all these articles and i was getting sent all these videos and everything on linkedin was saying how to work at home how are you going to just i thought wow i'm rather fortunate and had a little chuckle to myself to be honest because i lived out of a suitcase for 10 years and yeah. i would travel non-stop and wherever i woke up if i had a laptop i'm working yeah <laughs> i had to adapt to those different environments so everyone teaching an adaptation to different areas yeah. it's lovely some people yeah. do need that yeah However, I believe if you just need to do what you do, it doesn't matter where you are. I could be at a local coffee shop. I need to do this and I do it. Yeah, that's for <laughs> sure. So that brings me to my social constant context. Yeah. So social media is a huge influence on our views and opinion today. Mm-hmm. It's a comment often, you know, appearing wild and unrestrained. Do you mm. feel that some control on social media is justified? Oh. Oh, you're making me think the Trump and Biden debate. <laughs> <laughs> It's interesting to see. <laughs> okay. Oh, there's there's many schools of thought on this. 
If they're censors, who are they? Who is going to censor them? And then it also imparts upon our civil liberties to voice our opinion. So then who's getting the share of voice? And then if there is a control of social media, who are they and who's controlling them? It's like a never-ending minefield of control. Yeah. So, And it's been proven. It's been well proven. You can sway and move societal opinion and influence and persuasion. You can change political polls on mm. the basis of controlling social media. It's well proven. It, the question is who is going to control it? Yeah. What are their interests? What are their agenda? Yeah. But I, I do see policing in some areas and I did have a researcher that worked for me in a policing area where there were things that shouldn't have been put on social yeah. media and they needed to be removed. So I, I see I see a level, but I asked what degree. Yeah. I mean, I, I believe like olden days when news, news media, right? News mm. media was there and when, you know, all that media houses were, were literally regulated not highly regulated, but they were kind of regulated. And mm -hmm. every news has to be verified and all. According mm -hmm. to the recent survey, I, I was reading one one blog and research paper, something like that. That guy says that there are a lot of people who are actually creating the fake news are actually mm -hmm. older people. Mm -hmm. you know? okay. And what happens, people are actually trusting them because they look authoritative. Okay. Right? So, so I need to look older. <laughs> yeah. So when you look authoritative, the, you know, baby boomers and the youngest are thinking, oh, he's senior, he's that experience and he okay. looks big body. Maybe he's right. But okay. no, and that is causing a lot of issue. But yes. So, and I think, and that's why there are a lot of contribution on social media for violence mm. and other issues are also, um, you know, yeah. debatable how much they, that kind of thing I shouldn't be I think it should be regulated for sure yes, uh, yes because agreed. right now there is no control right yeah I, I agree with that when it comes to the law and regulations definitely should and yeah. that should be from uh, the legal authorities I believe when it comes to people voicing their opinion Look, I, I don't know if anyone has seen or if you've seen The Social Dilemma, the documentary, and anyone that hasn't, I urge you to watch it. And yeah, I've spoken to, my, yeah, spoken to my software engineer and it is a minefield. And, look, it's reality. That's how we live at the moment. However, yeah. who these people that own the power you have to wonder how they're swaying opinion. And I've seen it happen. I've seen, I've defriended people yeah. because they have totally changed their opinion on things based yeah. on certain articles. So, yeah. Yeah. It, it's a, it's a tough And also time. sometimes they are putting the wrong, um, you know, argument by backing up by those fake news yes. and fake blogs and all. So. Uh, yes. And to take, and take your point further, um, journalistic integrity is very important. And what's happening now is a copy and paste mentality. They have to get something out in the morning. So copy, paste, reference. Yeah. They're not going back, and I am a fan, obviously, with data, yeah. go back to the raw data. Yeah. Where's your reference? Yeah. Where did you get that from? No one's doing that. They're just, yeah. oh, that was said there. I'll say that there. It's lazy journalism. <laughs> yeah sure. and that's what's creating fake news i believe yeah yeah and the too much replication is like eight thousand blog every day from just from australia 
oh gosh, who has the time? <laughs> and just on one topic, forget about the different domains. So I'm just talking about, think about the populous country. What is going to happen? We are not that popular. Yeah. <laughs> oh gee whiz i don't have all that time to read <laughs> yeah and every day every day new tool is introduced not one or two couple of tools a couple of hundreds of tools are introduced in the market and mm. it is always a confusion which to choose when to go where to go it's a lot of dilemma going on being a, not only being a marketer but also you know there are a lot of confusion going on the, the kind of people sending the reviews and all those things so mm. these are the problems also needs to be addressed by some kind of a regulation but it should have mm. also given the freedom of its speech to the general public as well it's an opportunity yeah. I, I i totally agree and i did a uh, i've done a few studies in this area actually and consumer um, consumption and also the um level of respect and trust in certain authorities and yeah. i did one like 20 years ago with gen genetically modified food um, no. but more recently i did one and there are certain websites that are independently reviewed that like the choice choice website that right. people will go to that that forums uh, they could be moderated you can have other people swaying the opinion but there are certain websites which people will go to in the know yeah. that that no you can trust this yeah. or at least take some credence to it yeah interesting so what has been this impact of technology on marketing is digital marketing all about scale and reach or has some depth been added on it oh okay digital marketing complex area fine balance In externally there's different elements to this if you want the reach and just to saturate the market you go for the ad i got this morning with the t-shirt right you just bombard reinforce and you hit as many people as possible and the analytical tools within certain social media are so advanced and so sophisticated they can profile similar profiles and during the pandemic it's a lot cheaper so you just spend you yeah. spend yeah. and th that's it you'll make money you'll make money However, if it's a larger ticket item, if it's professional services like wearing, yeah. we can't put an ad on and say, hey, trust me, buy my brain. Because <laughs> ultimately, that's what you're doing. You're buying a brain. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and a team of experts, that's what you're doing. Yeah. And our experience and so forth. So it, it depends on the industry and the category. I think there is definitely a place. And I think sometimes people get it wrong and they bombard and it turns people off and yeah. it leads to mistrust. I think you need to connect, I always go back to research, connect with the consumer through their eyes at the time they want to purchase that mm. product or service. And yeah. if not, engage, engage, yeah. Yeah. educate, yeah. inform. And mm. Mm. The, the, I, yeah. I think professional services are all about educating people. Um, unfortunately, yeah. there are, um, I am seeing i was, was like monitoring and researching a little bit on the editorial materials and i noticed there are more attention people are paying on sensational uh, you know articles or some kind of a conflicting article than mm -hmm. actual proper educational detailed uh, content, oh. you know well, well, that, that, that's concerning see i see part of my role as educating my clients and and during the um, 
during any project, I feel it is part of my role to explain the yeah. implications of the methodology, what we're going yeah. to do and the process and everything else. If And I'll say, we can do this and we can't do that. And I'll be completely yeah. honest and I'll just say, look, if you want to do that, we can't do it in that budget. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, education is huge professional services yeah. it's about credibility yeah yeah and uh, that that brings to my last question is like technology is actually bringing a lot of depth i do appreciate the way ai is actually turning out and the future is actually forming in mm-hmm. especially in my market or uh, marketing is area i'm noticing uh, marketing intelligence is contributing a lot um mm-hmm. you know to do a proper marketing rather than actually some kind of a random campaign you, mm-hmm. do you agree with that well i think it, the marketing mix has totally changed like it used to be all about above the line the radio the print and the tv there was below the line like 10 years ago and then you got yeah. the websites the outdoor and all the rest of it and yeah. there was a fine balance now social media probably dominates about 80% But then you have to think of the internal resources. And yeah. this is where I see the, some of my clients, unfortunately, getting the balance wrong because you have a product manager, yeah. marketing manager, social media manager. You have all these different compartments that are all competing for a budget. So you try and work out that marketing mix and who's in charge of who and who's going to get that budget. Yeah, that's, um, yeah. That's, I, I discussed about you that like when I go in my corporate strategy, I find it like most of the departments are actually working in their own silo. Yeah, rather silos. Than, yeah, they're rather than communicating mm. uh, and creating a, a streamline from one department to other. Marketing is working in their own direction than the sales department. Mm-hmm. Um, so they don't know each other's objectives and the goal so how are they going to support so that's one of the you know gap i find during my corporate strategy when we work on it so i find exactly the same i i find what i love about the size of paragon and and you probably find this about your organization is we can move quickly we can if we see a change or anything we can move quickly we can align all our messages boom we yeah. see a product in the market we don't have the red tape we don't have to pass it to several other departments yeah it's a it, i it's the same issues but on a larger scale pretty much yeah. with larger organizations yeah yeah interesting it was a really nice discussion and uh, i'm Thank sure you. that you know people will find very interesting our discussion and they will learn a lot and um, if they have any question and they want to reach you out how they can yes. find you okay well you could look at my website which is paragon research www.paragonresearch.com.au or google cheryl hayes Sure. And all the details will be given in below in our description and you can find her, reach her out. She's very active on LinkedIn and other social media and very responsive as well. Thank you so much, Sharon, for today. Thank you. It was really nice communication and yes. we look forward to have some further discussion about yes. Anna's topic. As do Peace I, Maya. Maya. Thank you. Lovely to see you again and have a lovely long weekend. Thank you. <laughs>